Has God ever brought judgment into your life? He sure did with Israel. The fall of Jerusalem was a tragic event. It was made even worse by the knowledge that it could have been avoided or at least softened once it was inevitable by simply listening and responding to God's persistent warnings. When you learn to listen to God, the result is living without regrets. This is The Wisdom Journey, and this lesson is called The Tragic Fall of Jerusalem. Somebody defined tragedy as the difference between what could have happened and what actually happened. When you think about this particular definition of tragedy, it certainly applies to the nation of Judah, and especially its last king, King Zedekiah. You can't help but think of what could have been. What could have happened if he and his people had only listened to God's repeated warnings through the prophet Jeremiah? But what could have happened wasn't what happened at all. What actually happened was indeed a tragedy. Now, as we come to the closing days of the nation of Judah before they're exiled, we're given a description here in Jeremiah chapters 37 to 39 of, of three different scenes. They're, they're presented to us here. And this first scene, there's a king who's refusing to listen. Chapter 37 tells us that Zedekiah was the son of Josiah. Josiah was Judah's last godly king, but Zedekiah is nothing like his father. So you can just imagine these words being written on his tombstone. Imagine them being written on yours. Here they are in verse 2. Neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. Wow, imagine. The king's attitude is, I'm not going to listen to the word of God. Now, despite the fact that Zedekiah isn't going to listen to God, he does send a message over to uh, Jeremiah here in verse 3 saying, please pray for us to the Lord our God. How ironic is that? In other words, I'm not going to listen to God, but I hope God will listen to you and me through you. You know, I've had many people throughout the years I've spent in ministry who want nothing to do with God's Word. But when they get into a jam, they want God to pay attention to them. I was watching an emergency event just recently on the news, and it was shocking to see everybody talking about praying They're all praying. Beloved, let me tell you, God is not a fire alarm. He's not waiting around for your emergency call so he can show up. You don't treat God like some panic button. You walk with him daily. Now, we know historically that the Babylonian army surrounded Jerusalem to starve the people into surrendering. Zedekiah had already asked uh, the nation of Egypt to help him against the Babylonians. So when the Babylonians leave Jerusalem now to go fight against the Egyptians, this is the moment when Zedekiah asks Jeremiah to pray. Well, the king is hoping that the Egyptians will defeat the Babylonians. So, Jeremiah, you need to go pray that, that God will make that happen. 
By the way, I'm using the term Babylonians, even though the biblical text sometimes refers to them as Chaldeans. Babylonians is the more general term for them. The Chaldeans lived in southern Babylonia. They rose to power. They established a dynasty of rulers over the Babylonian Empire. So Chaldean became a synonym for Babylonian. Now, Jeremiah gets this request to pray, you know, that those Chaldeans, those Babylonians are defeated by Egypt. But Jeremiah sends back to King Zedekiah a response that the king doesn't want to hear. Verse 7 says, Pharaoh's army that came to help you is about to return to Egypt, to its own land, and the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city. They shall capture it and burn it with fire. Well, that's another way of saying the Egyptians aren't going to be any help at all. Uh, They're going to retreat. Uh, The Chaldeans are going to come back now, and they're going to burn Jerusalem to the ground. Okay, that's the first scene. Now, there's a second scene developing here with the prophet of God who's, who's despised by his people during this time when the Babylonians have withdrawn to fight Egypt. Jeremiah, in fact, decides to go back to his hometown. He gets only as far as one of Jerusalem's gates. However, verse 13 of chapter 37 tells us a sentry, that is a soldier, seized Jeremiah the prophet saying, you are deserting to the Chaldeans. Well, Jeremiah has no intention of deserting. His ministry is to the people of Judah. Verse 14, Jeremiah said, it is a lie. I am not deserting to the Chaldeans. But the sentry would not listen to him and seized Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. And the officials were enraged at Jeremiah and they beat him and imprisoned him. That's an unexpected turn of events. It is interesting to me here that King Zedekiah secretly asks Jeremiah if there's any word from the Lord while Jeremiah is there in prison having been beaten. And I can't help think what a, what a coward this king is. He knows Jeremiah is a genuine prophet of God, but he won't defend him. Instead, he hopes that, you know, there's some good news from the prophet. Jeremiah responds to the king here in verse 17. You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. That's some raw courage, beloved. Jeremiah is not going to stop telling the truth just because he's in prison. And the other political leaders here in chapter 38, now in verse 4, demand that the king put Jeremiah to death. Well, this coward of a king leaves that decision to them, and they end up putting Jeremiah into a cistern or a, a pit full of mud, and they leave him there to starve to death. i got to tell you, King Zedekiah is like so many religious leaders, so many political leaders of our day today. Rather than take a stand for the truth, they back down and they go along with the crowd. They take a majority vote. They refuse to defend those they know are speaking the truth. Zedekiah is that kind of person. He's a weak man. He's driven by fear. He's afraid of the Babylonians. He's afraid of his political rivals, his officials. He's afraid of his poll numbers dropping among the population there in Jerusalem. And he's even, you know, superstitiously afraid of God. Frankly, he's afraid to stand on his own two feet and not stand for the truth. You could say 
His feet are firmly planted in midair. Now, in all this drama, there's one man in Zedekiah's court who's, who's actually thinking straight. His name is Eved Melech, and he asks the king to allow him to rescue Jeremiah, and the king agrees. So this man pulls Jeremiah out of that muddy pit and puts him in a safer holding cell. And, and, and here again, beloved, this hypocrite of a king secretly sends for Jeremiah, and he's, he's asking him for another word from God. Well, Jeremiah again tells the truth here in verse 17. If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. Well, of course, refusing to surrender would bring the opposite result. Jerusalem will be burned and the king's family put to death. If you can believe it, Zedekiah's only response is to tell Jeremiah here not to repeat any of this conversation with his court officials. He doesn't heed Jeremiah's warning. He's fearful of his political associates. And with this final refusal now, tragedy is just around the corner. Remember, at the outset of our study today, we define tragedy as the difference between what what could have happened and what actually happened. We can only imagine what could have happened if Zedekiah had only listened to the Word of God. Well, chapter 39 brings us to the final and and tragic scene when the Day of Judgment finally arrives. Sort of like a history textbook, the Bible describes Jerusalem's fall, and it's rather uh, straightforward, yet it's, it's easy to imagine all the horror involved in this event. The Babylonian siege of Jerusalem is going to last about 18 months before the walls are finally breached. Here in verse 4, we're told, Zedekiah fled, going out of the city at night by way of the king's garden through the gate. Verse 5 tells us he and those with him are captured. Verse 6 tells us that Zedekiah's sons are killed along with other political leaders. In fact, the very last thing Zedekiah sees is the execution of of his sons. Following their execution, verse 7 records that the Babylonians put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon. Just as Jeremiah prophesied, Jerusalem is taken, its walls are broken down, the city is set on fire, many of the remaining Jewish survivors are are now taken away as captives to Babylon. Only the poorest people in the land of Judah are left behind. Verses 12 through 14 inform us that Jeremiah is now delivered from his prison cell. He's treated well by the Babylonians. They recognize him as a true prophet of God. And you can't help but think, beloved, what what could have been if only they had listened to the word of God and turned to the Lord in obedience? Well, let's learn let's learn this from history. Let's learn this lesson. Let's make sure we're going to live today without regrets. How do you do that? Well, let's obey the Lord so that our lives don't become a tragedy. They become a triumph as we walk with the Lord today. 
Well, until our journey resumes, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen Davy called this lesson the tragic fall of Jerusalem. I hope this time in God's Word has encouraged and reminded you of the importance of listening to and obeying God. This is The Wisdom Journey, a ministry of Wisdom International. We want to send you a complimentary resource. Visit wisdomonline.org to learn more. Again, that's wisdomonline.org. Visit there right now, then join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.